Well, hey friends, welcome back to the Right Setup Leadership Podcast. I want to share something with you. There's an old saying that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Now at Stay Forth Designs, we believe in going far. And when you want to go far, you got to go together. And we do that with coaching and experiences. And everything we do is through the lens of partnering with you, journeying with you, coming along with you as guides to help you navigate the complexities of your life and leadership. And what we've realized is we need a space that lives between our coaching and experiences to do that. And we have an amazing free community on Facebook, but social media is becoming more toxic and more volatile. And with the type of investment that we want to give, we just can't do it on Facebook. And so we created the Right Side Up Collective over on a network called Mighty Networks. It's a private, exclusive community with like-minded, hungry kingdom leaders investing in themselves with life-giving content in a like-hearted community with access to amazing thought leaders that are going to be continually pouring into you to help you navigate the complexities of your life and leadership together and in a way that you're just not going to find anywhere else. We're so excited for the reception and the conversations and the growth that we're already seeing, and we want to invite you to come join us over there. So you can click the link in the show notes or head to rightsideupcollective.com, and you can join right now for 20 bucks a month. For 20 bucks a month, you can make a crucial next step in your leadership investment and take actionable, practical next steps to making not only this year, but beyond the best years, the best seasons of health and longevity and leadership that you've ever experienced. So do me a favor, join our team over there. We can't wait to see you. We've got a great episode on deck for you today. First, Alan's going to sit down with Mark and Sarah Adams and let them share a little bit about their ministry and how they're seeing God working in through their coaching with marriage couples. And then Alan's going to have a great conversation with Communitas International and Forge America about this idea of moving from deconstruction to reimagination. We've got some great conversations for you today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy today's episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Well, friends, welcome back to Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. And I love bringing guests on who have been past coaching clients, even some present coaching clients. You've heard from a couple of them recently, and uh, today will be a treat. We're going to talk about what God is doing uh, in their lives. And so I want to introduce Mark and Sarah Adams to you guys. Thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So I've had the privilege of walking with Mark uh, as a coach, uh, and then we got to train him in our coaching process at Stay Forth and even got to pray over them for this next season of life and sort of the passion beyond even the local church that God is releasing them into. Um, Mark, why don't you share a little bit about how you entered the coaching process and kind of what it was like for you? Yeah, so I came in uh, to coaching as a church planter. Um, that's that's sort of how we had connected was was through church planting and through the denomination that I'm a part of. Um, and I was exhausted, um, trying to work two jobs and plant a church and be a good husband and be a good dad. And, um, I, I was pretty close to burnout. And so you and I had met for a a 30 minute session and you asked a question that really brought into focus how burnt out I was. You had asked, um, uh, you had asked if nothing changes, how much longer can you keep going? Um, and I think I had said six months, if I remember right. I think I'd said, I said, I can keep yeah. doing this for about six months. And that was the first time that I realized like, oh man, I'm not, I don't think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that a was, good number. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not very long at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I came into coaching kind of not trusting the process. I'd gone through coaching through a couple of different organizations, a couple of different opportunities 
And it was kind of like a thing that some people thought they wanted to do. Uh, you know, it it wasn't a consistent effort. It wasn't a, a concentrated effort. Um, and so I was pretty hesitant. But after that, we we had gone through 20 sessions, if I remember right, yeah. total. Yeah. Um, and after those first, I don't know, probably three or four, I was like, oh, this is this is exactly what this is supposed to be. I, I don't want to just be coached. I want to be coaching also. Mm-hmm. People need this. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's one of my favorite things to watch people say, I want to apply this in our context, which for you is the local church. And I also feel like God may be birthing some things out of this and have watched God really hone in. We've had several conversations, Mark, God honing in for you and Sarah on some passion for the next season. And so um, tell us about that. What are you guys passionate about uh, in terms of leadership? In terms of leadership, I think that... Um, uh, a place that we are really burdened for it, our marriages. Um, and, you know, we found in coaching as I was applying things to the church that we were planting and, and how we were trying to get that off the ground. I was also coming home and being like, Sarah, this is a great idea for our family mm-hmm. because yeah. it's not just the church that was suffering. Our, our marriage was not in great health at that time. It wasn't terrible by any means, but we were both tired. We were both burned out and exhausted. Yeah. And as we began to apply those things, we realized, well, if, if we need this, um, chances are other people do too. Um, and what I came to realize, and, and Sarah can talk to this from her point of view too, but what I came to realize is that uh, marriages are a community-centric uh, thing. So when marriages flourish and when they're healthy, Communities are better. Organizations are better. Volunteer yeah. opportunities are better. Schools are better. And conversely, when marriages are unhealthy, all of those things struggle in one way or another. And so I I talk all the time about how we are for our community. And one place that we can really be for our community is helping couples avoid or navigate some of the struggles that we've had in our own marriage Mm -hmm. and build towards not a happy marriage, not a a perfect marriage, but towards a a healthy marriage. Yeah. I love that. Sarah, can you talk a little bit? I mean, you guys use the term marriage coaching and that you guys are saying, because this has impacted us, how many other people could that impact? What does marriage coaching look like? I know you're walking alongside of several couples in that capacity right now. Um, so it just looks like really sharing our lives with these couples and um, just kind of helping them. I mean, we have been through so much in our marriage and um, good and bad. And I think even before we realized that God was designing our marriage to be a ministry together. And so using that to help couples to come to this resilient marriage mindset, we always talk about how we're, we want to move couples from a common mindset um, where it's, my marriage is all it's going to be and there's nothing more to give or there's nothing more to get out of my marriage to a resilient marriage mindset being that, you know, I, we might have a money problem. We might have a car problem. We might have a kid problem, but we don't have a marriage problem also. Mm, and so moving from that common mindset to a resilient mindset and having that resilient marriage is so important to us. Wow. That's so good. We could talk for hours here. Uh, and as always, we better not. Um, but just to give kind of a couple, maybe a sampling here. What are a few kind of common problem areas in marriages that tend to really spark conflict, frustration, overwhelm? 
I think that, I mean, communication in Mm -hmm. as cliche as it is, communication is a big issue in marriages. And the issue is not that we don't communicate. It's that, you know, I, I receive messages. I receive communication in a specific way and I send communication in a specific way. And my spouse does too. And so I'm not navigating two sets of communication. I'm trying to navigate four. Mm. So what I find is that I may talk about honesty, for example, and Sarah talks about honesty, but we understand honesty in two very different ways. And so I'm trying to force my view into the conversation and she's trying to force her view into the conversation instead of stopping and regularly saying, hey, can we define what we're actually talking about? And understanding that we're on the same team. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, we're on the same team in this. We just have kind of two different mindsets on it. And so coming together and figuring out what the common ground is. And there, you know, it's interesting, their marriage getaways. You see a lot of these kind of marriage retreats, you know, a big fan of some of them. I've been on some of them. Um, and then there's a huge gap. It seems like there's some classes that maybe churches have, or maybe even some nonprofits and communities have, but there's a huge gap here. And so I love that you're putting together coaching that's predominantly focused toward leaders and saying, we actually need this toward couples. And um, we, Mark, were able to pray over that for you and say, we, we send you guys into couples. We need to see couples all over the country. And so part of my prayer is that actually this message right now, if you're listening to this and you feel inspired by this to say, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we feel some kind of spark um, that you could even reach out to us at hello at stayforth.com. Be glad to connect um, to to you guys, maybe get some thoughts and pointers. This stuff is so practical. You know, I'm going to ask about the practical here. We don't want to be simplistic, but where spiritual meets practical, some beautiful things happen at that intersection. Can you guys give a few practical steps we can all take in our marriages to get a little bit healthier? Yeah. So one thing that we encourage couples to do, we call it weeding the garden. Um, your, your marriage takes a lot of work. Uh, and I don't care if you've been married for five minutes or 50 years, there's a lot of work that has to happen. And so, you know, you have two options here. You can let little problems become really big problems and overtake the beauty of your marriage, or you can start with the small stuff and say, Hey, this is a thing that bothers me. Can we talk about this? And we, so we call that weeding the garden, right? Mm-hmm. To, before it becomes real big, address the issues with your spouse in a loving, considerate, respectful way. Um, also, something that's important to us is being a student of your spouse. I mean, you are not the same. I mean, Mark is not the same person that I married 15 years ago. I'm not the same person. We have grown and learned things about ourselves. And so as as a couple, our job is to constantly be learning about each other and learning by asking questions. And I think a lot of times um, something that we we do for our couples is we give them questions to answer within their marriage and um, just kind of questions that spark conversation for them and a healthy conversation. And a lot of questions are um I don't, help me out with a question. So it's it's a question about your spouse. It's a question about your relationship. And then it's a question just for fun. Yeah, just to get mm-hmm. to know your spouse. So, so it might be like, when's the last time you felt appreciated by me? Mm-hmm. Right? That's a question about our relationship for That's me good. to know my spouse. Mm-hmm. And then a question of what what's something that motivated you this past week? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a good chance that the things that motivate your spouse may not motivate you at all, but... <laughs> 
if you want to encourage your spouse, that's a good question to get into. And then a fun question. So like our second date fell apart. It was a disaster. I'll tell you that story <laughs> some other time. But we ended up going to a park and just asking each other questions. And they were questions like, what's your favorite color? Mm-hmm. Ask your spouse that question and then follow it up with why. I love the color red. Well, why Why do you love that color? What about that sparks something for you? Mm-hmm. Those are all great ways. Those, those kinds of questions build intimacy. They create trust and they make both people feel desired in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's great. Yeah. I, I love you guys are, are kind of normalizing some of the struggle that we we all have, whether it's a struggle to connect in the midst of that. I mean, I have four kids, lots of responsibility, yeah. moving schedules. My wife and I both work. I mean, all the things, if you're feeling any of that, we want to normalize that here on this podcast. We're going to talk about issues here on the podcast we all face. And we like to say that you are not a freak. If you feel any of these, you're completely normal. And yet yeah. you also are completely unique. So every marriage is unique. And yet it sounds like probably 90% of the things you're wrestling with, we are too. So uh, first of all, if you're hearing this and you're married, turns out you're normal. I love that you have a couple yeah, of questions absolutely. to begin to ask. Uh, secondly, we've all been through a really hard season. And I think we've mm-hmm. under talked about marriage. We've talked quite a bit about parenting. It's been a hot mess. Can we all just get an amen there? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So complex right yeah. now. Um, but parenting, we've just sort of, um, I think it's overshadowed the fact that we're also married and we're yeah. also wrestling through these things, you know, together. And just, uh, you know, as we close one of, one of my favorite moments of coaching, I think in the whole COVID season was looking behind you, Mark, and you had taken one of our tools and sort of turned it into this family tool together to navigate yeah. what was a just stinking hard time together. And I love anytime we can take a tool and it changes a family, it changes a marriage, it changes a leader. What we know about leaders, what we know about parents, what we know about marriages is when the marriage is impacted, everyone around them can grow. And unfortunately, when a marriage suffers, we see the same to be true. So, so grateful for you guys. I love what you guys are doing. If you guys would like to connect with Mark and Sarah, learn from them, pointers, tips, those kind of ideas, go ahead and just reach out hello at stayforth.com and we'd be glad to connect you with these guys. Guys, thanks so much for what you're doing. We need more and more people like you guys out there. Thanks, Alan. Thank I appreciate you so your time. much. Well, friends, welcome back to Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Sometimes we record over Zoom. Uh, Many times we record over Zoom, regretfully. And yet I'm in the same room today uh, with two amazing guys and friends that represent two awesome organizations. And uh, do you guys receive that? By the way, you looked at me weird when I said amazing guys. Oh, I received that. Well, awesome Keep organizations, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Man, you guys are looking at me weird. I'm like, these guys are my friends. So maybe we have a lot to talk about after this. But um, we're here in uh, Stay Forth World Headquarters, which is just a small office in Colorado Springs, having a conversation today. Um, but seriously, you guys are doing incredible things. And we want to talk about micro churches. We want to talk about kind of what's developing there, maybe some language people have heard or not heard, but I think it'd be helpful for some clarity, both nationally and internationally, some exciting things going on there. So uh, Roland Smith, author uh, and now leader of Forge. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Forge and about your role in the movement. Yeah. So thanks, Alan. And I'm excited to finally get on the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast, which I listen to all the time. And so now I get to be on this side of the microphone and I'm excited. Um, 
Yeah, Forge America, which is different than Forge Global. So their Forge is an organization that Mike Frost and Alan Hirsch and Deb Hirsch started um, uh, more than a decade ago in Australia. It is in different countries. And so there are national directors for each of those countries. There's a Forge Global uh, director as well, but I direct Forge America. And um, so what we do here in the States is we have uh, hubs in different cities, uh, about 22 right now, that are expressions, contextual expressions of the missional incarnational conversation, uh, whether that's churches, organizations, businesses, um, kingdom expressions is what I call them. So they do coaching, incubating, launching, um, helping of um, different like apostolics in their area to express the kingdom. Missional misfits and weirdos like us. <laughs> yeah, I was telling I was telling uh, Jeff, um, which is kind of funny. Sometimes people that don't know Forge well, they'll say, "What? So what is Forge? How do you how do you describe Forge?" I said, "Well, you know, it's kind of like when you when you go to uh, school and um, you're in high school and there's the cool kids." And you don't quite fit in with them. And then there's the jocks and you're not quite a jock. And then you see these kids over under the bleachers wearing leather jackets, smoking cigarettes. Well, that's Forge. Mm. And so, you know, Forge is kind of the rebellious um, weirdos in, um, that are cool in, in the church conversation. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's what we do. So we do have training resources, those kinds of things, but we're not a content seller. Uh, we're more of a coach relationship to walk alongside people that want to uh, announce the kingdom in their context. Yeah. And if I can brag on Forge, I think the imagination uh, is a strength for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, not telling us what to do, but help drawing that out and affirm, um, you know, a missional imagination uh, among people who maybe don't know where they fit. And we've done a lot of work in the city bringing mm-hmm. together, uh, you know, quote unquote misfits, freaks like me club who don't know where they fit, but they, we fit together in the conversation. So fun to serve locally uh, here as well. So more on the global side of things, I've got Jeff Reinhardt here, um, who is at the helm of this amazing organization called Communitas International. Tell us about Communitas. Who are you guys? What do you do? Hold on. I got to put up my cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're under the bleachers. I just hit my head. <laughs> this is already derailed. But, it's already, yeah. yeah. So Communitas is a 50-year-old sending organization that got its start by uh, planting churches, mostly in Western Europe, started by Linus Morris. And uh, now we are all about starting and shaping communities of faith that love like Jesus in their neighborhoods for the purpose of transforming the world, transforming individuals and transforming neighborhoods. So um, the beautiful part of, of what we are about is we're equipping and uh, sending the next generation of leader to live like Jesus in their context. So it's culturally relevant. Um, uh, it's culturally relevant, and uh, people tend to really be drawn to the kinds of work that's being done there. And when so, you say culturally relevant, we hear that in the States, but I mean, you guys across the world talk about some of the yeah. differences in cultural and cultural relevance among, you know, some of the different continents even you guys are on. Right. So in starting in Europe, it was going into a post-Christian context. So ideas of church, when people hear the word church even in Europe, they're thinking of the museum on the corner, 
at this stage. Yeah. Um, so it's a whole new way of engaging again with the needs of community embedding within them and serving in the name of Jesus, um, oftentimes not using Jesus language, right? And people get really drawn to that example of people living the Jesus life. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing internationally and nationally is a, a next generation of people that are looking to experience living that kind of life, being the church, not just doing church. And that's happening all over. There's this growing hunger for expressions of the kingdom, like you guys would kind of both say. Correct. Yeah. So missiologically, theologically, Forge and, and Communitas are, are close cousins yeah, absolutely. Uh, in that perspective. Um, but yeah, we're seeing lots of movement happening right now, particularly in Eastern Europe, in the Balkans, in Russia. We've got 500 church planters that are being trained right now wow. um, that are, again, unique expressions within that mm -hmm. context. Uh, and, you know, Venezuela, Costa Rica, Brazil, um, seeing lots of movement there as well. So wow. it's, a, it's a fun time. Well, it's, it's cool to watch this intersection. So if this is a terrible conversation and, you know, we're, we're under the bleachers already smoking. So it's not, <laughs> yeah, so right. matter. And then, you know, there's fights that break out. I guess I'm responsible. But you guys have met before organizations, you know, organizations have, have worked together at some level. Um, but I said, man, you guys need to reconvene because there's so much common DNA. Um, so we've talked about with Communitas is aromatic expressions that kind of just the smell, even the taste and see of, of the kingdom is something that you guys have in common um, quite a bit. You can sense it. There's something here that people are drawn toward. So talk about expressions of the kingdom, church expressions um, that often doesn't look or feel like a traditional church, especially in post-Christian context. Talk about what some of those expressions of the kingdom might be. Yeah, I'd love to start with that. So the major process that our folks go through to initiate community is embedding uh, in a culture, whether that's across the street or whether that's across the world. Um, a lot of people think they're embedded in a place. Uh, this happened to me when I church planted 10 years ago. Um, I'd lived in the community for 10 years by that point. And uh, a coach said to me, so what's it like to ride the bus in your community? I had never ridden the bus in my community. So am I really embedded there? Do I really understand uh, culture? So uh, we really focus on that embedding piece of it. And again, that is what gives us a voice to interact culturally with a lot of people. In our experience, we've seen more of a micro expression of church. Mm -hmm. um, we're not starting out with a Sunday service. We're starting out by loving people okay. and building relationship. And then that can turn into uh, groups of people that meet in a house or a coffee shop or a pub um, or other places. So it's it's a, a more of a micro expression of church living a communal life together um, that we're seeing great movement in right now. Okay. Yeah. And I think some of what uh, Communitas has experienced in Europe, we're going to, we're starting to see and may start feeling even more and more here in the States where you know, Forge America does more of its um, influence. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's Alan Hirsch that even said, if you want to, if you want a picture of what the possible church looks like in the West, take a look at Europe yeah. now. And so, you know, when you were talking about museums on the corner, um, I don't want to say that, um, you know, churches are definitely going to turn into museums in this area, but we're, you know, with, with the help of COVID and pandemics and political disruptions and all kinds of things like that, 
my churches and pastors are really feeling it. And yeah, we're, we're sensing new realities. <clears throat> there have been some uh, people on the front edge of ecclesiology, like Tampa Underground, um, you know, Common Thread, KC uh, Underground, other um, other fresh expressions. Yeah, fresh sure. expressions. People like that that have sensed this prophetically mm-hmm. in the church. And so decades ago, a couple of decades, a couple of decades ago, started launching things. Now, microchurch, microexpressions, those kinds of things are kind of becoming the buzzword for the states. And Communitas has been in this conversation sure. for a long, long time. And so Forge um, is less of a church planting organization. We, um, we, we're good, like you said, at the missional imagination, and we can talk about why. Why, why is God a missional God? Why should we see ourselves as missionaries? Why should we in, you know, engage our context in that way? And so we try to help. We're now trying to help churches see that they can kind of remission themselves, uh, that they can pivot, shift um, a church that's brick and mortar, that has been Sunday-centric. It can actually be a leverage for launching new missional expressions into the neighborhood because they have resources, people, um, a gathering, all those kinds of things already. And so I think there's going to be a really good opportunity for mixing kind of the microchurch conversation and um, some of the traditional ecclesiology that finds itself in a liminal kind of space right now and needs to shift, if that makes sense. Yeah, so so many conversations are breaking out. There's a lot on hybrid church uh, and often around digital and physical in person. Um, I'm starting to hear less and less of the pre-COVID we were blank, right? There's been an obvious attendance gap for so many churches um, across the country. Um, A lot of church mergers happening. Uh, Unfortunately, I see some churches folding up shop uh, as well. So it's an interesting time of change. In fact, we did a podcast as Corona was breaking out and um, there might've been some Corona uh, involved in that process as well, um, right at the beginning. So the world has changed uh, in less than a few years in so many ways. Um, So I'm curious, let's dig in on micro churches and these expressions of church. Um, How is it different from a small group within a church? Let's just start there. Well, I mean, for us, we like the language that, um, say, our friends at Tampa Underground or V3 will use. And, um, you know, they, they would say there are some ecclesial minimums. Um, I'm not, and I'm not sure how Communitas expresses this, though I know they believe the same thing, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which there are certain aspects of uh, minimal ecclesiology. So if the three of us were meeting here and we were going to try to figure out what a church was, we could make a long list of things like we need a children's mm-hmm. program, we need fog machines, we need chairs, we need this, we need that. And the list would get really, really long, really big. So reverse that question, that conversation, and say, what are what are the minimums that basis that have the to baseline thing that mm-hmm. that makes this a church? Mm-hmm. And so we would say in our language, um, that it would be worship, community, and mission. Worship in the big sense, not worship service. You give your life over Romans kind of worship Um, community that you're doing this with a certain group of people. And so to use communitas, we it's a deeper community. Um, 
and then mission, you're all on mission together. So there's a missional incarnational kind of uh, sentness to that. Um, so all of a sudden that includes a lot of different things. So you could start a coffee shop. Where, which you have. <laughs> which, which I had, yeah. Uh, a coffee shop where, you know, maybe you started the coffee shop as a group of believers to be incarnated into the community. Um, and so you're giving your life over to that worship, you're doing it in community, and you have a specific mission into your context, you know, or several missions, whatever that is. And so for us, that would, we could term that a microchurch, microexpression, whatever word you want to use. It could be a house church, it could be, you know, a parachurch looking uh, type organization. Um, so all of a sudden, ecclesiology starts getting bigger than a Sunday-centric service, which which I think is a healthier way to look at, quote-unquote, church. Mm -hmm. um, the church was never meant to be just, obviously, just a Sunday service, and ecclesia is the people, you know, that are called out to gather, not, uh, not the actual event. And so, um, so I think in getting smaller, the definition of church gets bigger, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So ecclesial minimums, um, worship, community mission. Yep. Jeff, any arguments or additions for the community? No, I, no we use the same language. We, we do shift uh, worship to communion, community, and mission. Mm. Okay. Communion with God, community with each other, uh, mission to the world, that sentness, that outward looking. Mm -hmm. um yeah, and what we're witnessing uh, in next generation leaders right now is this this beautiful flipping, right? It, you said turning things kind of upside down from an ecclesiological perspective, mm -hmm. but we're also seeing that in life experience. Even post COVID, now people are re-examining what's important to them, and mm -hmm. and we're seeing uh, folks really tending now more toward experience as opposed to you know other forms uh, of, of sitting and just being like told something from content maybe into life experience. into experiences yeah. yeah and so how that's playing out is you know we flipped upside down that whole believe behave belong paradigm uh i mean typically we've seen in the past you have to believe a certain way and that belief or doctrine would lead you into different behaviors changing your behaviors which would then allow you to belong to a community and we're seeing that flipped upside down. Uh, Especially we, in the age of loneliness. I mean, you think about loneliness course, and isolation, yeah. that's this massive hunger that's had a resurgence. Who do I belong to? Uh, what community can I be part of? So it's actually an opportunity, yes. not just what's flipping, but I think it's it's a massive opportunity. It can be part of something, even if you're you're not quite with us in all the other areas. Right. Well, and, it, and it's actually a healthier way to disciple as well, if you, I mean, if you think, if you think about it, if you can kind of picture a triangle, um, maybe, um, you know, the Greek way of um, getting someone to, to transform, let's say discipleship, let's say transform, is to teach them some knowledge, and then that knowledge is going to result in a behavior, uh, or a new, a new perspective. So the paradigm shift comes from just knowledge-based, and that's a very Greek way of doing it. And of course, the church in the West, even though our faith is Eastern, we have Westernized, you know, that Eastern faith. Um, 
a, a Hebrew would say, no, you, you walk your way into a new way of thinking. And so it's a, it's the other side of the triangle. And so I think I agree with Jeff on the experience part. And I think it's actually healthier discipleship. It's like, yeah, let's start a microchurch. Let's incarnate in our community. The first thing let's do is let's feed the poor downtown that we're, that are all around us or something like that. And so in that experience, they start learning what it is to love your neighbor. Um, and then you can always go back and, and teach that right mm-hmm. out of the scriptures or talk about it or those kinds of things. And so um, behaving your way into belief freaks us out as Western Christians, mm-hmm. but I think it's healthier uh, discipleship. It's prevenient, uh, prevenient grace. It's, it's messy because you start allowing people that are behaving like you don't want into your conversations in your community, but you know that they're they're going to belong their way into believing, as, as Jeff was putting it. Yeah, and so many different directions we could go um, with this. And so if, if you're listening into this and are drawing near a little bit and leaning in, um, then I want to invite you to pay attention to the microchurch conversation that's, that's unfolding right now. And it has been for a long time, but I'm just hearing more about it in the last, even the last six months um, is I think there's been so much talk of deconstruction. I'm interested in, okay, what is reconstructing? What opportunities does that leave? And so um, whether across the world or here in the country, what are you seeing some of those micro church expressions be? Just get really practical. What are some of those tangible expressions in communities making their way into? Well, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, I do like to use the term reimagining mm-hmm. instead of reconstructing because mm-hmm. when you construct, you're going to build, you're going to tear that down. Again. Right, sure. But as you reimagine, you're you're buying into a lived. And there's experience. some experimentation. There's a lot versus of I don't have all the blueprints. Right, but let's kind of build this thing as we go. Great, right. love it. So we have a, a project in France called Parfum de Vie, uh, and they started by opening a, a tutoring center, essentially after school care for children, but children who needed a little extra help with homework. And that has turned into this incredible transformation of a community Mm. um, because now we're engaging with parents and with children. Mm. Uh, We're engaging with local businesses. I mean, there's just been this beautiful transformation in that whole community. So these micro expressions are looking like all kinds of things, but they typically start with a shared way of serving and through that experience of serving, then having conversation and inviting other people into what it looks like to live this life of purpose and meaning. Um, so again, we're getting through that you know belonging part of the spectrum, if you will, um, to actually starting to change some behaviors that are best for community. And then often what happens last is you know what we would call an orthodox Christianity or an incarnational Christianity. Mm-hmm. And they've met a need in the community to start mm-hmm. with, and then it grows from there, maybe from that crack of brokenness in that space. But you think about a closed country, you have to meet a niche, a need, a crack, or you won't even be allowed in to be able to do some of those other things. So it's a really interesting piece. Well, our communities may not be quote unquote closed. Um, We're closed up for business if there's nothing that really meets a common need in this kind of shifting world. Beautiful example, uh, example that's getting you excited right now, Roland. Yeah, I mean, I love telling this story. We, this isn't necessarily, um, it's kind of loosely connected to Forge, but we have a microchurch network here in the Springs. Um, 
the Pando Collective and in that network of micro expressions, <clears throat> we have uh, a wood shop that has been building bunk beds for the foster care system for a few years now. They just passed 700 kids they had served or something like that and has been doing great work um, for a specific need in the city. Um, we also have a school uh, that a couple has been running for 20 years that works with at-risk high schoolers that have gotten kicked out of school. They have you know, common stories at home, um, trouble with the law, that kind of thing. And so they're, they're really, really at risk and on the streets. They take these kids and help them finish high school. So in both of these joining this network of micro expressions, rather than kind of walking alone in the thing that God has called them to, um, they get introduced to each other. And uh, all of a sudden the kids from the high school, in fact, today they were over there um, for woodshop at the place that builds bunk beds for the foster care system. Beautiful. The, the, the irony is that some of these kids have experienced that foster care system for those, themselves. They have that brokenness in their story. And so all of a sudden they find out they're building bunk beds for foster kids that were like them years ago. And so that's there's a synergy that can happen in networking these these kind of um, freaky kingdom entrepreneurs that are out there starting these things. Mm -hmm. And so rather than letting them kind of walk alone, a lot of times churches are not great at recognizing these mm -hmm. prophetic apostolic type people. Um, networking them together brings a synergy uh, for the kingdom and for, and for them going forward. Yeah, that's good. And a lot of times we ask the question without knowing what we're asking, what counts as mission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that affirmation aspect we miss a lot um, is we forget people need to be drawn in and say, not only are you part of something, but this counts as mission. This isn't just building bunk beds. Um, but to name that as a valuable kingdom expression, how we're serving and it's both community and mission yeah. uh, and, you know, meeting those pain points. Again, we could talk for a long time here about this, um, I think just to close this, I'd love for you guys to kind of zoom out and dream ahead a little bit. What would you love to see um, here in our country and around the world around the world in the next ten to twenty years? Well, maybe we can start start in the states and then let's <laughs> let it expand out to the globe. Yeah, um, you know, I, my my fear um, is that this I'm using air quotes here this micro church conversation um, is gonna is gonna get taken over and become the next church growth strategy. Um, in fact, we're Forge America is going to be at the first microchurch conference being held by Tampa Underground in Florida here in two week, two and a half weeks. And we're honored to be there. My fear is that a bunch of pastors are going to show up at churches that are liminally stressed from COVID and all kinds of other cultural things. And they're hearing microchurch and they're thinking, this is going to be the shot in the arm program for my church. And it's going to look like a ramped up small group program or something like that. So leading to my dream would be that we somehow, uh, we and that all of the people in this kind of missional micro mm -hmm. conversation 
can lock arms with our institutional brothers and sisters, for lack of a better term, and and develop an imagination where they can actually launch themselves into kingdom expansion. Now, what is the result of that? I think it's growth, but you don't want to lead with that conversation. Mm -hmm. You want to lead with the kingdom expansion conversation. Well, it's certainly depth. Depth, yeah. And so the metrics have to change. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think these pastors are so worn out and tired, and understandably so, um, and leaving in droves from ministry, this will actually bring them back to the reason they got into this in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so not only is it a good strategic decision, it's a good therapeutic decision too, is like get back into the kingdom. And so there are plenty of people like Communitas and Forge and other organizations that we know that are out there ready to help help them do it, walk alongside, make it successful. It's not always going to be easy, but um, they're going to love ministry again. Mm. So uh, you answered kind of a caution and then a dream. Yeah. I'm going to throw that same challenge over to you, Uh, Jeff. What would you say would be a caution that you see in this conversation and then a dream that you and maybe Communitas have down the line? Well, the caution, I think, is when we're all experiencing, but certainly now on a global scale, even look at geopolitical situations around our world right now. And that is that there continues to be more and more division along what we would call black and white lines. Um, And that is causing us, I think, to fall more into um, a rhythm of the other and, for lack of a better word, even hatred. Right. So instead of coming around things that we're for, everybody's kind of leaning into the things that they're not for and uh, finding reasons to fight over those things. Um, So that would be my caution. I think we've seen that in the church as well. Um, And that's not a world that Jesus has called me into. uh, And that's not, I believe, what Jesus means when he's, you know, the kingdom has come in Jesus. So the dream would be, you know, seeing that reality lived out and people loving each other, serving each other well, um, and unleashing the church in a sense. Uh, I, I love how you explained it, Roland, um, therapeutic as well. But when people are released into what their calling is, what God has gifted them to do, uh, and then they can experience those uh, or put those skills to play uh, in other places around the world man, you're just going to see an incredible movement Mm -hmm. uh, that will be transforming and will be healing. So, you know, seeing that kingdom unleashed, seeing the church unleashed, um, working toward um, more peace and harmony, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody wants to Mm -hmm. have peace and harmony in their context. But I I, I don't just think that's an ideal. I think it can be an applied practical reality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look forward to seeing more and more of it as we've seen it. and that becoming the thing that becomes contagious. Mm. Uh, What we're for, not what we're against. That's good. And both of these organizations are equipping organizations. And so as Roland said, if this is drawing you closer and you're kind of leaning in, go ahead and look in the show notes uh, to see more about Forge, uh, more about Communitas. And I would highly encourage you in this conversation to, especially if you are tired, especially if you are weary, to lean away from the negative uh, it's easy to focus on deconstruction. There are articles everywhere on that, but let's talk about the reimagining, right? So from deconstructing to reimagining, both of you guys, both of your organizations are about reimagining. In other words, you are doing something about the problem. 
And I'm just not that podcast. This podcast doesn't exist to tell everybody the wrong things that are going on out there. That's common, right? That's the empire. But the kingdom, there are these seeds birthing, and I would hate for us to miss the beautiful things happening right underneath our nose and across the world because we are so busy talking about what used to be, what doesn't work anymore, how everyone's frustrated. That's normal, that's kingdom, and that's not not what you guys are about. So appreciate you guys, Forge Communitas, keep up the good work here and across the globe. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Thanks, Alan, appreciate it.